You're listening to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Line. My name's Jack. Today I'm joined by Jake and Aiden. As always, Jake, how are you doing? Hi, Jack. I'm doing good. Um, not not very much going on. Just watching the games and. Um, as you, as you guys know, obviously, we're back down into lockdown, so that's something new, but um, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it too much. Aiden, what's going on with you? Just enjoying the start of the Christmas holidays. Uh, supposed to do my Christmas shopping today, but didn't get around to that, so that'll be pushed to tomorrow, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, lots of video games and getting pumped up for the World Juniors as well to supplement all of the good soccer games that are on. Very happy. How are you, Jack? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Obviously, like Jake said, we're going into lockdown. I think it's till like the end of January. So at work and stuff, obviously, there's a there's a lot going on to get prepared for that because it starts on Boxing Day. But uh, yeah, we'll try to enjoy the, the holidays and we hope everybody listening, we hope you have a good holiday season. Uh, we're going to discuss all the Premier League action from the last match week today uh we'll jump straight into it liverpool absolutely hammering crystal palace and i think it's fair to say we should probably talk about liverpool a little bit even though we don't really want to um because i am an idiot and forgot to talk about liverpool beating spurs last week so i think it's only fair that we we have to give them some praise seven nil against crystal palace at selhurst park with quite a few injuries is is really really impressive. So they 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 really are. They're just a fantastic team. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on this one? Not sure. Could have gone uh, any better from Liverpool's point of view, like you mentioned. They're not they're not missing like a huge amount of players anymore. But the guys that they are missing are very important. So obviously, it's something that they're uh, they're happy with. Um, not many teams have scored seven. Uh, obviously, in an instant game, the Premier League is. Obviously, we know that they're a very attacking team. So, if anyone can do it, Liverpool can. Um, but yeah, it was just some. Really, the main thing is I, from Liverpool this week was that Mo Salah's comments, like after after the game or an interview that was published after the game with um, with the Real Madrid or not Real Madrid, sorry, with the Madrid-based newspaper um, AS, I think AS Sport, where he was kind of saying that. Uh, he he hopes for like a different chapter in his in his career coming soon, and he was upset with Liverpool for not giving him the captaincy um, in the Champions League against Midtjylland, uh from Denmark. So it was just kind of it kind of spoiled a, a little bit for Liverpool fans. I, I imagine that it seems like their star player is going to not agitating necessarily, but he's got his mind somewhere else as well. Um, so yeah, I thought that was that was uh, kind of fascinating with what's going on there. But of course, on the weekend. Um, very, very good performance. Um, you don't, you know, you don't score seven if you're lucky. Like, there's not too much to say about it. I just feel bad for Crystal Palace. Hopefully, it doesn't affect them for a long time. Um, but yeah, just, just really clinical from Liverpool, I guess is all you could really say. Um, Aiden, what do you think about this one? Yeah, you just have to give like credit where it's due. Liverpool, I think their depth is better than honestly, I, we all thought. And, they're depth players. We haven't didn't really get to see much of them because they could roll out the same lineup. But now that the injuries have occurred, you're starting to see that some of their players that can come off the bench are perhaps better than the majority of people thought. 
And yeah, they're just a really good like team. Like Jack said, it's not just an 11 anymore. You can't really say that even without like Trent or not a Trent without Van Dyke and uh, Tiago and a number of players. I'm probably forgetting a lot of them because I don't really watch Liverpool games. They're just kind of dominating everyone. And I'm a little surprised to be honest that they're in the top of the, at the top of the league, but credit where it's due and hopefully it doesn't last too long, but it is really amazing to see a team just dominate for so long right now. And I thought it would be city this year, but it's not looking like it. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that the prediction from me in the, before the season started saying that Man City, that they're going to come back and completely dominate this year does not look like it's on right now. But uh, yeah, credit to Liverpool. They're absolutely incredible. And even with injuries, they're just going around slapping everybody. So I, still, I think it may, they really are, I guess, title favorites at, at this point. And they're just going to destroy every team that uh, gets in their way, it looks like. So, yeah, credit to them, unfortunately. But it looks like they're probably going to win the league again. Uh, we'll move on now. Manchester City taking on Southampton. Uh, winning 1-0 uh, from Manchester City. Raheem Sterling getting the goal. Um, it was a pretty even game for the most part, this one, I think. Manchester City probably did edge it overall, but it probably even you can see the stats are pretty even, like similar possession, fifty-two percent to forty-eight in favor of City. Uh, five shots on target for City compared to three for Southampton, and overall it was a pretty even game. But Manchester City, they do have, they still, even though they haven't been fully firing this season, they still do have so much quality, and they're starting to get into a bit of rhythm, picking up the picking up some points now and looking to to climb up the table and they do have a game in hand like Manchester United and if uh, when that's played I think it's either in January or February but when that match is played and they win they could go up into the Champions League places into into fourth spot at that point so uh, yeah it looks like they're starting to turn their form around uh, and it's a really good win for them uh, Jake what did you think about this one? Yeah, honestly, I can't remember too much. Again, just there, just the volume of games that have been going on. Um, I don't remember it being that good. I think City missed a, a couple chances, um, <clears throat> and I think Southampton didn't really threaten as much as we're used to with them until right at the end when they were really just going all out attack to try and get a point late on. Um, but Honestly, I thought City dealt with this game pretty well. Like the scoreline only reads one nothing, but I thought that they were going to have a lot of trouble. It seems like this season, last season, a lot of their troubles have come up against teams um, who start pressing them, which is weird because they've also had trouble against teams that teams that sit back. But I thought that just the way Southampton would be pressing them, it would cause City like a lot of problems. They'd have trouble building up the play that they usually like the, the way that they usually like to, um, and that we know they can. It didn't really materialize too much. Um, I think Aiden mentioned it last week or the week before, the fact that Gundogan played really helped them because he, he's not, like, outstanding in anything, but he's a good passer. He's a good he's good at getting forwards, and he's good enough at defending. Um, <clears throat> so it just gave them an extra out ball instead of just having to focus on Rodri. Um, just I, they've been playing like this for a little bit, but it just really, really comes to the fore in games like these. Uh, where they really need the extra man to pass out from the back. So I thought they did that very well. Um, like you mentioned, Sterling scored one. I think he probably could have added another. Um, 
it's just he's having kind of a weird season, Sterling. I don't think he's playing that well. But I think statistically he's still doing okay. Uh, obviously, it could always be better, but it could be worse too. Um, but, yeah, not not really too much uh, to add there. Just <clears throat> City really needing to win after they have not been performing as well as, as we expect uh, at the beginning of the season. So any, the, the three points were really important to them. And Southampton started the game, I believe, in the top four, the top five. Obviously, they've dropped now, but it's a really condensed top half of the table. So it's not like this this win is going to drop them out of contention completely of Europe. Um, we'll just see where it leaves them, I guess. Uh, Aiden, what do you think about this one? Yeah, really good result for City. And I was just surprised that, that they didn't get more goals against Southampton, but I think Vastergaard had a really good game against City, so that was probably a big factor. And then, yeah, just I'm surprised. I guess Stones is coming back into form. He's they've had a couple good results since he's come back into the team, which is, I think, surprising for most of us as we don't really think he's the best defender. But when you're talking about getting pressed, he is one of the best on the ball, so... That's really good for City. And then Ruben Diaz as well, having another good game, uh, maybe coming into his own as well. I was surprised that City didn't uh, maybe start with a different lineup, maybe with Aguero playing, but I think he's coming back from injury. Uh, so they didn't really have a defined number nine, I would say, with uh, Torres and Silva and Sterling in the front three, but it worked out for them. They got the job done. And it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I was surprised that they didn't score more because they're playing against Southampton, who – their games are kind of run and gun at times. And if you can beat their press, you can score on them. But they also didn't have like a, def- like a defined, who'd say traditional number nine. So maybe that's the case. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think like, like, like you said, they probably could have had more goals. I think Southampton, Southampton's chances were really good as well, but they just didn't come off. And like we always say on the podcast, when, when uh, when the game's even in the Premier League, it's usually the team that has more quality that's going to pull through, and that's in this game was kind of an example of that. Manchester City they do have better players, and when it's close, they have the players to to finish those chances and and win them the game. So it's a it's a good result for them. Move on now, Everton taking on Arsenal at Goodison Park. Everton another win, the third win in a week, nine points out of nine from Arsenal, Chelsea, and Leicester City for Everton with an injury hit squad uh, in a busy December where I would not expect them to collect any points from those three games. Actually, that's not that's not true. I do expect them to beat Arsenal. But in this case, it won 2-1, um, courtesy of a Rob Holding own goal that was really Dominic Calvert-Lewin's and then Yeri Mina with a header on just going right – uh, going in right before halftime and Nicholas Pepe scoring a penalty in the 35th minute. Uh, overall, super happy with the result for Everton. Again, I spoke last week about Ancelotti changing the tactics and I don't want to go into tactics too much because uh, it's the exact same thing as the last couple of games, just really, really solid defensively. And if we can't, if we don't allow the other teams to score them, we can nick one, which is perfect uh, during the Christmas season where there's so many games and you just have to grind out results. It doesn't really matter how you play right now. Cause like I said, last week, Everton, they usually do really bad around the Christmas period. And then the season's finished for them by like end of January or February, there's nothing to play for, but 
they just keep picking up points at this point in the point in the season, it'll set us up nicely to finish in the European places uh, come the end of the season when uh, when our players, our best players, return from injury like Hamas and and uh, Allen and Luca Dean. So really good result. Uh, ben Godfrey, a special shout out for Ben Godfrey. This guy is one of the best athletes in the Premier League. He's an absolute monster. He, like, I don't know, you guys probably saw him sprinting against Maitland Niles, who's a really quick player, and Maitland Niles didn't even get close to him. But Ben Godfrey, just another really good performance playing left back, which isn't his natural position. Um, yeah, I'm just really happy that they were able to grind out the result and, um, just wanted to speak a little bit about Everton because they barely got any any um, attention after after the performance because of Arsenal, who we'll, we'll talk about Arsenal a little bit more. Is because Arsenal, they we've said it before, but they're really bad. They are so bad. They they cannot score from open play. Like the reason they scored the penalty was because of an Everton mistake from Tom Davis. But other than that, I never thought Arsenal were going to score until maybe the the last kick of the game, which was a direct result of the fact that Jenk Tosin was on the field instead of Calvert-Lewin. And Jenk Tosin is the slowest player of all time and can't hold up a ball to save his life. Um, but Arsenal, just they are really not a good place. And we spoke about it last week, and I, I don't really want to repeat ourselves, but even Arteta's comments after the game saying basically how he thought that Arsenal were the better team just overall – it's just a huge mess, and I don't see it getting any better considering they're in an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup game right now against Manchester City and are 1-0 down after conceding in the third minute. But, Jake, what were your thoughts on the Everton-Arsenal game? Just anything that you that you think either team can take away from this one? Yeah, not really much from Arsenal to take away from this one. It's the same old, same old. Um, like you said, we've already touched on it last week in the last couple of couple of weeks so obviously not great for them another loss um puts them down i believe in 15th position still on the table um not that i don't think if i was an arsenal fan (coughs) i'd be worried about uh relegation anything like that but you're really cutting yourself adrift from already the european places i think they're 10 11 points out of the champions league places already um they're really giving themselves a lot of work to do. Uh, like you, like you said, Ben Godfrey played really well. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see like who plays when Everton's fullbacks are fit too, to see who's, who actually starts in the center and who even starts on, in the fullback positions. Um, and yeah, I don't think Tom Davies actually played too badly other than the penalty that he gave away, but he was just reckless. So he just has to be more careful in those positions, but it happens to players, uh, especially him. He hasn't, he hasn't played in a while, so it could have had something to do with it. And yeah, um, not not too bad from Everton's point of view. Uh, they've got a tough run of fixtures, like you mentioned, like you mentioned, Jack. But they're doing really well to keep on top of it. Um, again, Calvert Lewin played well this game. Basically, created the first goal, like you said, it was his header that led to to holding, uh, kind of accidentally putting it in his own net. And. Um, yeah, honestly, it was. Uh, if I was an Everton fan, I'd be really happy. I would not have expected to be getting nine points out of these three games. And then a, a big game uh, against United, I'm sure we'll talk about it later tomorrow. So, um, yeah, just Ancelotti's just getting stuff right at the moment. And, uh, yeah, not not really any complaints from Ever- from an Everton point of view, I don't think. I think they're 
higher in the table than you would have expected. Not, not. I don't want that to come across as a criticism. I just think, um, honestly, if you were given everything fans say, you'll be in fourth place in the table at Christmas. You'd take it all day long, every single year. So yes, yeah, good, good, <laughs> good to get your point of view. So yeah, really flying under Ancelotti, and um, yeah, hopefully it continues for you guys. Uh, Aiden, what'd you think about this one? Yeah, not too much different from what you guys said. Just I thought Holgate didn't really have a good game, to be honest. So I'm interested to see, like Jake was saying, we were talking about it when we both watched the game about who actually comes into the pairing in center back once Coleman and uh, Dean are back. I don't know the timelines on those guys, but we'll have to see because this kind of aerial threat from Keane and Mina and then you add in Calvert-Lewin going into the area. You can't really deny that that's been a success for Everton, and they've gotten quite a few goals from them. And also, just heading the ball away in their own area is good. Um, yeah, not not too much else. Just same good shape from Everton. Arsenal. When I saw their lineup before the game, like what is that? Like the team sheet. You just look at it and you think, wow, there's really not a lot of senior players at that club that are actually good, that are actually quality because. Up front, you see like Pep, Willie, and this guy. Oh, that stat that we pulled up. The one shot on target this season, I believe, in the league. Not really what you're looking for when you pay him all that money. But anyways. And then Pepe and Enketcha, and you're banking on them. This, every game is just becoming bigger and bigger. And when you're starting these players, you don't have any faith in them. It is really worrying. El Nani, Ceballos was probably the pick of the bunch for Arsenal this game. Honestly, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, but he was okay trying to spray the ball around. And I figured he would go back to the back five. And I think that Sack on Tierney are the best players at Arsenal for me right now by quite a ways, but that's all really I have to say. I'm just waiting for Everton to drop off a little bit and it's not like a criticism of them, but just when they have a bit of injuries and they have to play some of these players like Davies and whatever, even though he did have a good game in the middle of the park. I just figure sometimes, some time or another, they'll not really be able to create enough and the set pieces won't go in one game or or whatever. And not a criticism again, but the first goal was was a bit lucky um, off of holding. I think the header was going wide. Um, But Calvert-Lewin, he makes a nuisance of himself. So that's one of his best traits. And yeah, really good from Everton. We'll, we'll see how the cup game goes. We're going to touch on it later, but really just grinding at results, which if you want to make it in the like anywhere in the table, people always think it has to be glamorous, but that's not really true. Um, in the moment, if you went back and looked at other seasons and how teams finish, it's a lot of just grinding out results when you don't play your best that's most important over the course of the whole season. So that's really, really encouraging if I was an Everton fan. And the other thing is – and I get annoyed sometimes with some of Everton's players. I don't like watching Richarlison, Mina. They just really tick me off their antics on the field, but they're performing. So that's it. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know about the, the antics, maybe. Uh, I thought Danny Ceballos, speaking of antics, I thought that out of all the times that Yeri Mina flops to the ground for no reason, when Danny Ceballos raked his leg, I thought that was the perfect opportunity to roll around on the ground because he definitely would have. It, it went to VAR and they decided no red card, but 
but I know 100% if he rolls around on the ground, pretends he's injured there, Ceballos gets sent off because I was watching that and wondering how he didn't get sent off when he, I don't know if you guys saw just completely like his leg was so high, just stomping on the back of Mina's leg. But I would have hoped for some antics there, but we didn't get any, but we did get a goal from him, which I thought kind of an underrated header because he, he jumped. It wasn't like he headed it at the near post. He was already past the near post. And then got a lot of power to to head it in past Leno, but yeah, good result yeah. for Everton. I'm not trying um, to and from. Sorry, I'm not trying to hate before we move on, but I just think that the last game that Everton that I watched, Richarlison injured his wrist by trying to dive on the ground. He got kicked, and then he yeah. threw, flung himself on the floor and injured his wrist. Uh, and it hold, made hold on here, hold on. <laughs> this this the myth that Richarlison dives is it was only. It was only true the first season under Mark Silva at Everton. Oh, Since geez. then, this guy gets this guy he gets does get fouled, fouled so but many times. He gets he, fouled so often. They just kick him all game. Jacob Wayne. They just kick him all game. I'll be the classic fence sitter. He, he exaggerates yeah. a lot of the time, but I can see yes, it if he you're does, get, but he all, I can see so it if you're getting fouled quite a like bit. Jack Grealish, <laughs> Harry Kane. It's like so many players do it. It's not yeah. just him, but yeah, That's I, do I mean. agree with you, Aiden. Yeah, yeah. I think, sorry. I think I it just I think it just adds fuel to the fire to me, like with me rather with Richarlison because he gets up and always tries to act like a hard man after, and then it's like, okay, buddy, you've been rolling on the floor half this game. Like I know he's a good player and all, but he does get on my nerves when I watch him. Like if it was yeah. Neymar, we'd really be taking it out of him. Like similarly, I know Bruno does it too, but. He doesn't like get up and like be a hard man trying to always like and try to like I don't know. It's just for Charles and I, yeah. I've always got annoyed with him, but that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I would say the United equivalent for that for me is Martial because this guy hits the deck every time, just flails his arms out. But let's move on now because we could we could mention players from the sport that do this all day. So, um, oh, the last thing I'll say on Arsenal, like. Y- like Arsenal, you cannot expect to win games when Rob Holding is your captain. Like I don't know what what's that about. Can can you guys quickly weigh in on that? Why is Rob Holding the captain of Arsenal, even though Aubameyang's not playing? But why is he out of all the players? Why is Rob Holding the captain? Yeah, we were kind of talking about during the game. Me and Aiden, it's it's like honestly, I think it's probably because he's been there the longest from the starting lineup, and like. I know he's not the one I would pick as a captain either, but who who else is there to give it to? Like, who played in that game? I can't even remember. Like, El Nani, is he really going to be a captain after being gone for a season and not playing for, like, three seasons before that? Or, like, you're not going to give it to Nketiah or Willian or whatever. Tierney, they're all they're on their first or second season. Saka, like, he's 18. Like, it's so weird. There's there's really no one, no one, like, acceptable to be the captain there to give it to. I mean, maybe Ceballos, but just because he's a bit of a bastard. Um for David Luiz. Yeah, seriously, is that really what you want? That'd be shocking. <laughs> there yeah, they just don't have any captains on the team to be honest. Even though Bamming, like I'm not sure if he's the captain based on like how vocal he is or whatever, just based on the fact that he's the best player at the club. But I don't know. Not not really a great array of options to to be captain there and, and really lead by example, I don't think. But I don't really know what else to add to that. No, there's just no options. That's really it. Number one for me would be tyranny out of the players they played on the weekend. But other than that, that's sad. I mean, 
It's the same right. with United. There's not really a lot of like leaders, but even like Maguire, he's not really much of a leader outside of I'd say Bruno. There's not really anyone either. So yeah, that's. Fair. I guess it's just kind of the modern player in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Arsenal's yeah, a special well, exception. There's really nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you have like one or two, but that it just kind of show proves the state of Arsenal right now. It's not even a dig at our, like Arsenal fans or anything. Just. They're probably just as upset or more upset than we are that Rob Holding's the captain. But yeah, did you um, uh, move on now? Oh, sorry, Jake. Did okay. you see what Arteta was saying at his pregame press conference yesterday? Pulled out all these stats, you know? Yeah, what was that about? Was, like, if anybody's listening, they would have saw it already. But yeah. what was that? All he the was percentages? Just, what is he doing? He was being like dumb. Like he was just going off the statistics, like purely, just like XG and stuff. So he, he came out and said, like, for example, that they had, I think it was a 63% chance of winning the Spurs game. But the reason why is because Spurs is because his team were down two and a half time and Spurs didn't have a single shot in the second half, which is exactly the way Mourinho wants to play. So Arsenal therefore had the ball and had more shots than ours, than uh, Tottenham, excuse me. So then technically they had more shots in the game. They had more goal scoring chances. So they had, a higher chance of winning the game, but not accounting for the fact that they were down two nil after conceding in the first half. Like you can't, we always say it. I'm not a big fan of using stats to be honest, but um, you, you can never just take the stats at like face value. And that's it. There's always some kind of context behind it. Like, I don't know the classic example. Um, I heard the game that United lost three to the Leipzig in the Champions League to get knocked out as much as I hate to bring it back up. It's just a perfect example. Um, I was just talking to one of my friends and he was saying, just pulling out these stats, how United had, for example, like twice as many shots as Leipzig and, you know, from closer in or whatever it was. But the fact is that United were down 2-0 after 13 minutes. So, of course, they're going to have more shots, like more more of the ball in the opposition. And the opposition don't need to do anything with it anymore. They, they've basically done their job already. So, um, you can never really just just use the stats and not put any context to it. There's always some kind of context that, that kind of explains it, but I just thought it was, uh, it was entertaining that the manager of Arsenal is resorting to pulling out these stats that to um, justify that they should have won these games that they didn't. But yeah. It kind of shows that being a manager these days is, is more than just coaching players. You have to be able to deal with the media and, when you come out and say stuff like and bring percentages and stuff, when you're speaking directly to the media and speaking to fans, there's a, there are certain things that you can't say or things that you can say and bringing numbers into it like that is just making it way harder for yourself, making more headlines and, and, uh, and clicks from different media outlets to criticize you and put your pretty much Arteta is putting pressure on himself. It's not necessarily his fault because he still is a, a very inexperienced manager and but I, I just I think that the job for him at this point I think I've seen enough I think the job's just too big for him he might be a great manager in the future but at this point the Arsenal job is way too big for him in my opinion we'll move on now uh, to the Newcastle Fulham game the game finished 1-1 uh, with Fulham getting a red card as well I'm going to be honest. I, I, I know I watched this game. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I don't even remember what happened, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, Jake, Aiden, did you guys actually watch the game? I think that's that's the main question. I did not. I was at work, but 
I wouldn't have been into it even if I wasn't, not gonna lie. No, I didn't watch it, but I know what happened because I saw the highlights. And that there was an own goal and a penalty, and those are the only goals. Very and nice. Then I read, yeah, and then the, 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 own goal, the own goal from Matt Ritchie was hilarious. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they said on commentary that even like Alan Shearer was laughing because it, it just took a bounce and hit him straight in the face and went in. So that's <laughs> that's all I I don't have anything to say about the game other than that's the only thing I remember. So it wasn't that great of a game, but, uh, but I guess a good point for Fulham with the, the red card and still getting a point at St. James's Park. Can I ask you a question? Because I don't really watch them since the very first week. Are Fulham getting better over the course of the season? They are. Yeah, I thought. Yes, they, they definitely are. They're like Scott Parker. I still think they're going down, but he has made uh, improvements to the defensive side of the game. I think they were a little too gung-ho at the start of the season offensively but they seem to be a little bit more uh a little bit more conserved and and uh in trying to manage the games they have they have been improved i think they've got they've got some good individuals like i think adam Ola lookman's a good player zambon gisa he's a good player like they've got some talent in their in their side i just i don't think they've got enough to to stay up but yeah they definitely have improved aiden For sure. I was just looking at the, like their recent results and they seem like they've gotten much more tight defensively uh, going to the, I don't know if they were playing it. I can't remember now playing the back five, but, or the back three with the wing backs, but I guess that's the way to go if you need some more solidity. But I also agree with you. I don't think they're staying up, but we can move on. Yeah. Uh, Next game, Brighton Sheffield United finished in a one, one draw. Now, um, Sheffield United taking the lead in the 63rd minute after getting a red card. John Lundstrom getting sent off in the 40th minute. And Sheffield United just needed to hold on for the victory. But Danny Welbeck scored in the 87th minute. So they only got a point. Sheffield United still the only team in the Premier League not to win a game. And I'm slightly concerned because their next game in the Premier League is against Everton. And it, I just, I, I don't trust my club enough yet um, at this that this stage under Ancelotti. I still don't trust them enough to say, yes, we're going to beat Sheffield United because they still do work hard, but they are in trouble. Uh, Jake, what were your thoughts on this one? I didn't watch this one either. I was asleep after a long day oh. at work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Aiden, did you watch this one? No, I didn't see this one, to be honest, but I was just wondering, like, Danny Welbeck making a bit of an impact. Would you take him at Everton instead of Cenk Tosin? It's it's so sad, but, yeah, I, I would, which is unbelievably sad. It's also hilarious. I tried to make it sound as though I watched that game as well by bringing up some stats. Uh, I didn't watch the game. I have no idea what no, happened. We just but talked about I, stats. Well, we can we can – Sometimes you can try to fool the audience, but obviously it hasn't worked out here. So I have to be honest and say none of of us watch this game. Uh, But to answer your question, I would take Danny Welbeck because Cenk Tosin, this guy, this guy's first touch is like we like, oh, like I would trust Jake to just trap the ball, just (laughs) just in the air, trap the ball, hold it up for the last three minutes. And I would Cenk like the guy's got no athleticism. He's just 
so slow. He's not strong. And obviously I want every Everton player to succeed, but he is not good enough. But I did see some rumors today that apparently Big Sam is interested. Just bring him, bring him to West Brom, Sam, please. With as much bad as you did for um, the Everton fans in that season where some people say you kept us up. And I know that's what you're about to say, Jake. It's not true. They weren't going to get relegated. Please, Sam Allardyce, please bring Jenktos into West Brom. Just get him off our books. But uh, to, yes, to answer your question, Aiden, Danny Welbeck is a better player than Jenktos. And that's, uh, that is that just shows the squad depth of Everton. But uh, yeah, 1-1, one, one, we'll move on. Sheffield United, they'll probably smack Everton because Everton always love giving those teams the points. But uh, we'll move on. Spurs taking on Leicester City. Leicester winning 2-0. I didn't see this one, guys, but I heard that it was um, Leicester played really, really well. Um, but again, they do. They get a lot of Jamie Vardy with a penalty. Leicester have so many penalties this season. Um, just, just noticing that, but apparently um, – the, the common consensus was that, you know, when, when you have Mourinho as the coach and you know what the game plan is and when you don't take the chances and aren't really playing a proactive style, it's much more reactive to the opposition that these results can happen when you have teams like Leicester who are willing to take, take their chances, like players like Vardy and, and, uh, and just the, the way that they play overall. But Jake, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Leicester played much better than Spurs in this game. Deserved win. Um, yeah, like you said, nine nine penalties already this season for Leicester, but we haven't heard a peep about it. But I think you guys know what I'm referencing. United only had 14 all of last season. But anyway, that's not important here. Um, only 14. Holy. Yeah, yeah only 14. Everton right. have had like Com- three in the last like but, 10 years. Jeez. Before Jake moves on, this if you watch a game with Jacob, he calls for 36 penalties per match. He goes, referee, <laughs> referee, every second. But anyways, Jake, continue. I think they're all stonewall <laughs> penalties, but um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Lester's doing very well. I don't know. Aldevarald scoring the own goal. I swear I've seen him score like four or five of those own goals over the years. Just not his fault, but it's just very similar. Um, oh, yeah. Spurs starting this weekend in first place and ending it in sixth. That's hilarious. But also, like, it just goes to show how tight the table is. But either way, um, I really enjoyed that. This game, I mean, I really enjoyed this game. Uh, it's always nice to see Lester play. Brendan Rogers. he is a very good coach, no matter how much we we chirp them uh, deservedly sometimes, but Leicester really dominated uh, Spurs. They really had all the chances. They probably should have been up uh, before they won the penalty in the uh, stoppage time at the end of the first half. But again, we're, we're obviously he's been playing really well this season. I think Aiden mentioned this during the game too. He's been having a really good season, but Serge Aurier always has a moment like that where he'll give away a stupid penalty. I think last season he gave away like a, a total of five penalties or something like that. Um, and he's just one of those players where when he's going for a tackle in the box, you kind of think there's a penalty coming. And that's not just me because I shout for 36 penalties, but just in general, um, he does. He just makes you nervous as a as a, as a fan watching that. He's always going to give away a penalty. Um, so I imagine 
Mourinho probably won't be too happy with that, but he he did defend him in, in his post game press conference, which is nice to see. Um, Mourinho not always someone who says no to throwing his players under the bus. Uh, we've seen him do it quite a bit, but on this occasion, he decided that it wasn't the right tactic. So respect to him for that. Uh, but yeah, just I don't really have much to say. Leicester completely completely dominated this game they played much better they, if you had to pick between these two teams and you didn't know which one started the weekend in first place i think you'd say it was leicester which is kind of almost accurate right they're in second place by by four points so they're kind of playing like table toppers but it's the same thing as last season it's re- the question really is just if they could uh sustain it for the whole season this time instead of uh, dropping off near the end but uh, all in all, a very, very good game from Leicester. Spurs will be disappointed that they've fallen completely out of the of the top four. But like I mentioned, they're not it's not like they're cut adrift or anything. They're still in the same amount of points. So uh all that matters to them is probably finishing in those positions at the end of the season, I think. So yeah, very good game to watch. Uh Aiden, what'd you think about this one? Yeah, really good performance from Leicester. I really like Leicester, a lot of their players, and I think it made a big difference to bring Ndidi into midfield now that Johnny Evans was back at center back and they didn't have to play with Fuchs Castagna also making a return to the team at left back. Uh, just having a fully fit lineup of players at play and somewhat normal positions made a big difference to them. And if uh, it could be a hot take, but I, I really like this Fofana player. If I think if he continues his form and Lester do finish in the top four, I think he could find his way into the team of the season, the way he's playing. He's really, really good. Um, and I think Tilly Mans had a big, uh, big factor on this game. Just kind of rotating the ball, keeping it moving. He's a he's a really good midfielder in terms of just passing, dribbling, just really just keeping possession for his team. And I'm just worried for Spurs that this is the type of week where when you play as Jose Mourinho does so negatively that you kind of lose the players. Like, is this what we don't want to be doing this, and we're not getting the results anymore? Uh, do we really trust that this is the way to do it? So I'm interested to see how Spurs react from this. And yeah, kind of a, a funny goal off of Alderweireld, but you got to give credit to Vardy. Really rose up there like a salmon and won, won the header over Sissoko. And it was a good ball from Mike, Mark Albrighton, which you would expect from him. He always plays a, just a great cross. If nothing else, he works very hard and plays a good cross. So yeah, I think Leicester are kind of a dark horse. Once again, we, we say this, Almost for every Brendan Rodgers team, they're just sniffing around and it just depends. Uh, I think they'll end up falling off because the past is prologue, right? That That's how Brendan Rodgers teams always end up kind of finishing the season. But I would like to see them make the top four over some of uh, United's rivals at least. And I was really happy with how they played. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, obviously I, I didn't see it, but... Buster, they are a really good side. And I agree with you. Wesley Fofana, they did. They bought him for like 40 million and like previous to watch. I hadn't seen him before. I thought, okay, well, he must be some super exciting prospect if he costs that much. Uh, I think he was from like Saint Etienne in, in League One, but um they he he's fantastic and he's only 19 years old. I think I agree with you. I could see him being or becoming one of the elite center backs in Europe based off of what I've seen so far. He's got 
the physicality and he's still young so he's going to get stronger and faster he's got the pace already and he's very comfortable on the ball he he looks like a complete defender to be honest he, he doesn't really seem to have any weaknesses in his game and to That's actually really start good. in the Premier League as a center back at 19 years of age is super impressive yeah sorry I wasn't trying to cut in I was just saying yeah he's like he's really good and what surprised me the most is how he like reads the play and steps up and intercepts passes and like tight on the back of defenders, not like dropping off and just trying to use his pace. Like he actually challenges people. He seems really confident. So very good player. Mm -hmm. And hopefully uh, United are always looking for a center back. So maybe we'll be sniffing around in a few seasons. We love a big purchase from Leicester. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he'll definitely be one to keep an eye on and, Speaking of Man United, they took on Leeds this weekend uh, and absolutely destroyed them, 6-2. I'll let you guys speak about this a little bit first, and I'll give my thoughts after. But 6-2, and just a a quick quick summary, Man United absolutely torched them. It it was not a contest. But, Jake, what what were your thoughts? Oh, what a great game. What a great start to the game. 3-0, sorry, 2-0 up after three minutes. Not what you expect from United. And I was, you know, we talk about almost every week. You expect United to be kind of down 2-0 after three minutes rather than up. The first halves have always been the weakness, not not the strength here. But four goals in the first half is really amazing. It's kind of funny. If you take away Bruno from the goal scoring list, it's not exactly who you'd expect. Um, two goals for, for McTominay, a goal for Lindelof, and a goal for Dan James. But it's nice to see, that, to see all the United players step up. Uh, this was just a really, really enjoyable game. Um, yeah, just McTominay doing really well, just bombing forward from midfield. Um, obviously, we've talked about Fred and the McTominay kind of double pivot in these big games. Again, it worked here, just as you could t- see, Scott McTominay had the, the freedom to to bomb forward, and he did, and to, to good effect. Um, yeah, uh, I think really everyone played well. You see Martial and Rashford, neither of them got on the score sheet, but they all played or they sorry they both played really really well Rashford didn't even get an assist in the game either but just the body feints that yeah he probably sent Leeds defenders to the floor like three or four times and he created a bunch of space um it's not obviously it's not a stat that we count but he probably had like two or three like secondary assists like he's the pass that created the pass um for the goal we saw him just tormenting uh what's his name on the right side there I can't remember who played on the right side, but either way, it doesn't matter. Dallas. Uh, oh, yeah, Dallas. Um, yeah, that's right. And uh, Ailing did not have a good game as a center back. Obviously, he had to play there just because of Leeds' injuries, but he didn't do greatly. I'm just kind of skipping all over the place here. But for Dan James' goal, he was really nowhere. He didn't really read the ball at all. Uh, he, he was kind of stuck in, in between nowhere. Um, but, yeah, it's just – I'm just going hopping all over the place here, but it was really good. Just United completely dominated this game from start to finish. Um, scoring, I think they had what they have, Aiden, like 20-something shots, on, 20-something shots, and I think it was 13 or 14 on target. Um, so they were just... Yeah, 26. 26, okay. And it wasn't like they were just spamming shots from outside the box. Like They had some really good chances. Uh, Martial... I think Martial missed the net on his first great chance. I think on the second one, he was just, it was in his mind. So he was just trying to keep it on target. Um, and in doing that, he put it too centrally. So Melier got, got a foot on it to save it. 
But even like like I mentioned, Martial, no goals in this game, but he still finished, I think, with a 9.89 rating off of um, one of those sofa scores or something like that. Uh, so really impressive. Just a good game all around from everyone. Uh, Luke Shaw, I think he played well. Uh, Juan, Bissaka, Juan Bissaka and, and McTominay, um, they, they're both, they both picked up injuries in this game, so they're not going to play against Everton. But really, everyone had a good game. Uh, over here, I think just I, we have to mention uh, Stuart Dallas's goal because that was a, that was an amazing strike. But obviously, to make it six two at the time, it didn't really make a difference at all in the game. Um, and yeah, just extremely happy. De Gea made a great save on on Rafinha. I think, like I mentioned, everyone played well. Harry Maguire is not getting the, the credit they deserves after the after the criticism he got at the beginning of the season, which was deserved in a way based on the performances, but you can't really expect, you can't really um, go get personal with the criticism, which happened with him. So I just want to give him some credit because of, of course, like most United fans, I was a bit hard on him at the beginning of the season when he wasn't performing quite well, but he's been really, really good for about two months now and, and no one seems to be talking about it. So I want to make sure he gets credit for that. And just all the team selections came off. Dan James, it was a, when you saw him in the starting lineup, a lot of United fans were kind of unsure about what, what was the point of that or how, how it was going to work, but it worked to perfection. He played really, really well, stayed on for the whole 90 minutes, um, got a yellow card for a dive, which was nowhere near a dive. He got clotheslined trying to go through, but that's not really something important to take out of the game after a 6-2 win against the, the big rivals. So it's, it's very good for the Leeds fans that were waiting 16 years for this game. So, Good for them. Aiden, what did you think about the game? Yeah, it made me really, really happy. I was a little bit nervous before the game. I knew there'd be lots of goals and United, they love conceding and they love scoring. And I guess it's the same for Leeds when you look at their score lines to start off the season. So I was pretty excited for a good game, but I didn't know how the end result would uh, kind of go, I guess. But after the first two went in from McTominay, it was just dreamland. Uh, we were just, we were very happy. We were laughing just like, holy, like, is this real life McTominay? Like this guy getting two goals. Uh, Jake can back me up. I did call before the game when the players were walking out that McTominay was going to score. Um, so Jake, if you could open your mic and just confirm that for me, that'd be great. He did not mention a single thing about that. You, what? You're a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no he called it he said scotty was going to score and it obviously as we know he did after two anyways minutes. that's very not really good. important thank you jacob but that's not really important just the result was very good like the pressing from united which we're not really used to in in the recent months to start the game that was really nice to see even martial getting on the pressing which is often a criticism of a criticism of him sorry and from a leads perspective and I guess the whole game perspective, Calvin Phillips was really uh, kind of hung out to dry or he hung himself out to dry there on the clothing line because he was at fault for many goals there. He was just leaving the middle of the pitch wide open. It, it is a large responsibility kind of being alone in the middle of the park for leads. And uh, he was show the first goal, I believe he was just showing for the ball ahead of the ball when he could have just stayed lateral and kind of held his position. And then United took the ball and there was no protection for the back four. And then, there was a couple other instances where he just wasn't really maintaining his position in the middle of the park. And then he didn't mark Lindelof on Lindelof's goal from the corner. So he was dragged off at halftime and I really like Calvin Phillips. So hopefully you can just reset and kind of go again next, uh, next week. But 
from United's point of view, brilliant. Cannot really say much else. Yeah, everyone put in a good performance. Fred was good. He was sloppy with the ball, but his when he was playing well, it was critical on what United were doing. So I'm not going to blame him too much, but his, his certainly his passes with the right foot and in around the own box need a bit of a bit of sharpening up. And yeah, just credit to De Gea, Lindelof, Maguire, players that don't get a ton of credit. They played really well. Not too much, just buzzing and rolling on. Just big game now on Boxing Day. I'm not I'm not a huge kind of proponent or really it sounds sad, but I don't really care that much about the Carabao Cup because for one, like the league is more important and that's just gonna block up the fixture list even more. Um, so whatever happens and that happens and just I'm looking forward to the Leicester game mostly just that's a massive game and I think it's going to be a really good one in terms of how both sides set up and I think it'll be another game with a few goals what do you think Jack yeah so I I, I would like like I'll start by saying I think everybody agrees like on paper when you compare United against Leeds United should win the game but you also see the amount of praise that Bielsa gets for being some this master technician or one of the best coaches in the world, apparently. And I think if you're if you're saying he's one of the best coaches in the world, I think it's only fair to give um, Solskjaer some credit for this game, which I didn't really see him get at all because he was probably the first coach to just say, if Leeds are going to attack us, we're just going to attack them at the exact same pace. And once I saw that, I thought it was the perfect game plan for United because if you're going to go all-out attack against Leeds, then it's just going to, with all that space, and United obviously thrive when they have that much space because they have so much pace in their in their team. I thought that um, that was the best tactic. And at that point, it becomes uh, a matter of who, who has the better players and who's going to be more clinical, and you're going to choose United. 10 times at a time in that situation. And yeah, United just absolutely destroyed them, played them off the park. There were times in the game, I think it might've been four when it was like four nil or four one where leads, like they had a bunch of chances where they probably should have scored like Bamford, Bamford, not very clinical. Definitely. He's definitely a product of getting so many chances created for him and his conversion rates, probably not that good, but that was, um, yeah, I thought, I thought Solskjaer got it spot on. Sorry, I always interrupt you, Jack, because you just bring up good points. It just just sparked my memory. But yeah, that was one of the only things that I agreed with Jim Beglin on is that uh, uh, Bamford has missed a lot of chances this season and he just, he has so many chances. That's why he scored so many goals. But that was really like one of the only things that Beglin got right in the whole game. Yeah, he's a uh, system player pretty much. So. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to say that like we I think we've all been kind of saying he's not that good of a player but in terms of like a Premier League quality striker but like he works hard and he he is decent but he's not going to bring your team like up the table with his conversion rate isn't that good that's what all I'm trying to say and I think that's what we were yeah. kind of hinting at earlier in the season but go on I don't mean to interrupt you just you have great points thank you I I try to leave the hot takes out until I talk about Everton, when I get a little bit too overexcited or too hopeful, but we're in a good spot right now. But I would say another takeaway from this game overall, when you're looking at Man United, and obviously this is the main takeaway when people are looking at the table now, United up to 
up to third in the table with a game in hand. Obviously, I think that's played in like February or something a little bit later on. But if they were to win that, they'd be in second place, only a couple of points behind Liverpool. So um, that that's like the main talking point from what I've seen everybody saying um, and whether uh, and you still get so much criticism of Solskjaer and even, even myself, do I think he's, he's the best man for the job? Probably not, but he's not doing this terrible job. Like some people are saying, and I think at this point, when you're looking at facts, when you're looking at the numbers and looking at the table, you can't say he's doing a bad job because if they win their game in hand, they're, they're only a couple points off of first place and you can't really do any better than that. So I think that he, he deserves some credit and doesn't deserve as much criticism, even though United, like when you do see their team, they have very good players. But I think Solskjaer so far, he's like, it seems like United, they've, they've been in really good form recently. And when you look at the numbers, I guess, if they're pulling off these wins, it doesn't really matter if they go behind, if they're just going to score like 10 goals a game anyway. So uh, they, they look to be in, in good form. And like, like you said, and you mentioned Jim Beglin, the last thing I'll say on this game, and I want to see what you guys have to think about uh, what you guys have to say about it as well. The comment, I've never seen a team get more praise for conceding six, like losing six two in my entire life. I've never seen it. They, you'd think by watching the game that leads were the one, the the team that was winning this game it just drove me absolutely insane but uh what'd you what'd you guys think about the commentary man it was so annoying you're watching the game united are up six one six two at the time and all you hear is oh leads are so unlucky here or at, or at four nil you know what leads leads could end up tying this game by the end of the game like they have a real chance here of drawing <laughs> like what are you talking about it was so annoying um and then me and Aiden, we do like John Champion as a commentator, but just the comment he made was, it was so stupid. It just triggered me. I'm still upset about it. He said, um, he said if United were a better team or like if they were a team such as under Sir Alex Ferguson, would Bruno Fernandez even get in the team? You're like, what are you talking about? This guy has 29 goal involvements in 27 games in the Premier League. That's ridiculous. What? I'm still upset about it. My face is getting all red just thinking about it. Um. I don't know, just a stupid thing to say. Like, what? I don't know. I don't know what else we could add to that. If, if that's how people actually think, then um, I don't know. Lay off the beers or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what else to say about it. Just very annoying. Aiden, give give me your opinions here. Yeah, I just feel like every time that we, Jake and I go into a party when we're watching a game and we, we talk about the game while we're watching it, it always seems to be, Jim Beglin's just at the wrong place at the wrong time. He's always on a Liverpool game, which he shouldn't be because he played for Liverpool and he, he just always just is biased towards them or he's on like a direct rivals game where he's biased against them. So I don't really understand, but yeah, it was really frustrating uh, during the game and wasn't really giving credit to United, but I think this is just what we got to get used to with Leeds for now. They're kind of like the, the hot topic and everyone wants to, to see them and yeah, we, we just, we harp on our Tata, but he's won more trophies in the last 23 years and then uh, Bielsa. So that just goes to show you what all this great football uh, brings you. And I want to see Bielsa at a big club now. Like why isn't he not getting, why is he not taking big jobs? Why is he not uh, kind of getting the opportunity at big clubs? Is there a reason for that or, or what is it? I'm just wondering. That's all. 
Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not too sure because he's. He's. I know he's had some bigger jobs in the past. I know he's at Marseille, um, and maybe maybe Valencia or Sevilla. Somebody or no, it's Bilbao. Sorry. Yeah, Bilbao. Athletic Bilbao, but yeah, I'm not too sure. I don't know enough about him. I don't want to give too many hot hot takes on a manager who I know is well respected in the game. But if you get beat six two, and it's very obvious that you're just playing you're just not changing anything during the game you do deserve criticism but at the same time I think like I I don't know why anybody really expects him to change because I don't think (laughs) I know I saw some Leeds fans expecting them to change and I don't know why they thought he was going to because he doesn't seem to like ever want to change the style and they'll always just attack 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 and you know maybe they'll run into some problems I think we predicted this in the in the preview to the season that we thought that they might run out of steam or we don't know if, if they're going to be defensively strong enough to, to handle the Premier League over the course of a full season. But yeah, I saw BLS getting a ton of criticism, but it's, it's also just a product of how they play. And, and I think most fans in general have accepted that there are going to be these results and, and, uh, and Leeds are going to get absolutely destroyed by some teams. I, I'm I'm interested to see um, how Liverpool play the next time they come up against them because I think that Liverpool might destroy them like United did. But yeah, an exciting game nonetheless. We'll I'll burn through the last couple of games here. West Brom taking on Aston Villa in Sam Allardyce's first game in charge of West Brom, uh, and Villa winning three 0 West Brom getting a red card with, uh, with Jake Livermore getting sent off and Villa just absolutely destroyed them. I don't think that West Brom even had a shot in this game. I think they had a cross and it got counted as a shot, but it wasn't a shot. So from a personal perspective, I love to see Villa just winning games and, and from also a personal perspective, Sam Allardyce struggling because of what he put me through as an Everton fan with that shocking football. I Did don't you? care if it's effective. It's so boring. What are you saying, Jake? Did you see what Big Sam said after the game or no? No, but it's probably going to wind me up, whatever he said, because no. he still he still pisses me off. But he, he said, like, with respect to my West Brom players, if we had a player like Jack Grealish, we would not be getting relegated or something like that. You're like, what a way to hype up your own players, eh? Be like, you're all trash. I wish we had someone different in here. Like, what? <laughs> Maybe it's Very just inspiring to... words there. Maybe to be fair to him, maybe he's just trying to light a fire under them though, to be like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like I actually am a good player. I know it doesn't really seem like that's going to work, but he did save Everton from relegation once upon a time. So (laughs) no, he didn't stop that. We'll stop that. See, I knew it was coming. You guys are eventually going to bring that up. It's, it's not true. And maybe, maybe it's mind games from Allardyce trying to play down his own team. So that when he eventually does save them, it makes him look like he's an even better coach than he is. If you know what I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that that does that does make sense for sure. Yeah, he, he is, is an, he, he is an he old does. master. He has been around the block. Yeah. A few times. Yes, we should, we he should is. Be saved Everton. Let's be honest. I'm not. I'm not doubting him. I just. I want him to struggle, just like I. Love seeing Ronald Koeman struggling at Barcelona right now. It's fantastic, but move on. I'm sure now it's just going to be a common theme that you guys are going to watch all of Sam Allardyce's press conferences and just 
quote him to wind me up on the pod. But all I know is that Jake yes. just couldn't wait to watch West Brom to see Sam Allardyce. I didn't care, but Jake was just he was just wanting it. He just he wanted them to win, I think. No, no. It's a Midlands Derby. <laughs> of course I'm interested. No, Villa's this the podcast's second favorite team. Come on. Um move on. Burnley taking on Wolves. Burnley winning two one. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this game other than Burnley defending really well. And Wolves are, like we said earlier, they're just really going to struggle to score goals uh, without Raul Jimenez. But they still, they should be beating Burnley, but Burnley, we've seen them. They're, they're solid at the back and they're gonna, it's a huge win for them. And then last game of the Premier League match day was uh, Chelsea taking on West Ham. Chelsea beating West Ham 3-0 at Stamford Bridge um, in a game they were completely dominant. And two takeaways from this one, Timo Werner, not in great form, but he's, he's not finishing a lot of stuff right now. But in my personal opinion, he's still getting into those positions. So maybe he's just not the most clinical finisher. He just needed some more chances. And I would think that as long as he's getting into those positions, then – uh, he will probably score quite a few goals, and then, uh, and yeah, Chelsea completely dominant. My other, my other thought or thing that I noticed in this game is that I think it was Mark Noble's like second or third start this season, and um, and he's just he's done. I don't know like if Mark Noble is playing for West Ham or starting for West Ham, just chalk it up as a West Ham loss because this guy doesn't. I don't know what he offers. I was watching him. He was playing an attacking midfield role, did not create anything for that that I saw. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but is it's almost 2021 and Mark Noble still still starting for West Ham from time to time. And Declan Rice is a player I think sometimes I think he's a little bit overrated, but I was watching this game and I have to give him credit for at least like trying to do the work of two players because Mark Noel, this guy doesn't do anything. So got to give some credit to Declan Rice for doing the the job of two players and trying to push forward and drive with the ball, although he didn't get too many opportunities because Chelsea did pretty much just dominate West Ham in this one. But what were you guys, like, quick thoughts on, on this one? Yeah, first thing, Jack, big fan of Mark Noble. Let's not lie. You would have taken him at Everton's midfield last season. I don't want to hear anything about it. Um, but yeah, oh, shots fired. <laughs> that is a dig. Jeez, jeez, relax here. Come on, maybe, maybe the 2017 18 season he might sneak in there, but okay, fair. for now, for now, the midfield is is it's pretty good at the moment. All right, I'm glad we could compromise on that. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, um, <laughs> uh, Chelsea getting a big win this one, they're kind of completely dominated it. Um, it was funny. You saw Declan Rice after the game. He seemed like really excited to talk to Lampard, probably trying to weasel his way into Chelsea's uh, into Chelsea, I guess, in the January window. So um, I just thought it was kind of funny, but a completely deserved win. Uh, Thiago Silva, he's kind of a threat in, in, at both ends for Chelsea. Like he's good at offensive set pieces, and he's he's a, he's a pretty good defender. <clears throat> um, considering his age 36 um i think experience is kind of overrated sometimes but he is important for this chelsea team um and he is he's been good at the back as well um really the only time he's been caught out was i think his first game when he made a mistake uh and someone scored off it i can't even remember which game it was but 
that's not too important anyway. Was it uh, West Brom? Oh yeah, it was West Brom. Very nice. Um, and yeah, Tammy scoring twice as well. Um, see, this is what happens when I call him just like a mid Premier League level striker last week, and he scores two this week. But whatever. Um, and yeah, just Timo Werner and and I guess Havertz too, still kind of struggling. I I know I went I talked about it last week, so I'm not going to go too in depth into it, but. I saw some Chelsea fans comparing Werner to Morata and uh, Fernando Torres and, and Gonzalo Higuain. So I think it's kind of definitely too early for that. I mean, those guys were all shocking. So, and Werner's only, what is it, like 20 games into his Chelsea career. So I think it's fair enough to say that he's probably better than, than all those other guys. Um, and it's fair enough to give him a chance. I know I've criticized him, I think, kind of fairly last weekend just for the fact that he's not having much of an impact. Um, but of course, it's kind of an excuse that most people use. It, it takes time to adapt to the Premier League. Um, I think Aiden, you told me he came out with some quotes. Uh, I think it was this weekend or last week or something like that about how, how he finds that the Premier League is much, much more physical than the Bundesliga and it's harder to adapt or something like that. So uh, I guess it just goes to show it takes, it takes different players, different amount of times. Not, not everyone can, can be a Bruno immediately on arrival. So just going to throw some United love in there and, uh, that's it for this game. Well done from Chelsea. I think they're up to eighth in the table now, which is not bad for the – oh, sorry. They moved up to fifth. I think they were eighth before the game. Uh, they're up to fifth now on the table. So, knocking on the door of those Champions League places along with the other teams. And I don't think you could – if you're a Chelsea fan, you probably couldn't have asked for much more from this game. Another clean sheet for Edward Mendy. Um, so, he's doing really well. He's only made a couple mistakes since he's been at the club. Um, and I think I saw somewhere that Mendy has equaled Kepa's number of clean sheets for the club, which is kind of funny considering Mendy's been here for like three months and Kepa was there for what, three years, but two years anyway. Um, but yeah, not much else. Uh, West Ham, I think they've lost two of their last four or something like that. Or I think, excuse me, I think they've only won one of their last four. So kind of a little bit of a drop-off, but they're still doing really well. They're up in 10th place, which, to be honest, is higher than I would have predicted them to be at this stage in the season, especially considering the run, the fixtures that they had. So credit to them, but credit to Chelsea for getting the job done and winning the games, um, even without Werner and Havertz firing. So that can only be a good sign for them later on. Uh, Aiden, what would you think about this game? Yeah, Werner was just saying uh, after the match that it, it was hard. Like he expected the Premier League to be physical, but not this physical. And he's finding it hard to play every three days in this league. Um, make of that what you will, whether it's him or the German League or the Premier League. Uh, but for Chelsea, you know, I, I think I said last week, bring in Jorginho. That'll help the team. And I think I was right here. He came in this game and it was all, uh, I love tuning my own horn, but that's how it goes. Just Jorginho making a tick over in midfield with Conte and Mount. Can't really uh, ask for much more there from Chelsea. 3-0 win against a West Ham team that a lot of teams have found very, very tricky, like United. From West Ham, I, uh, diverting from the back five that they've been successful if, with just to fit in Mark Noble. I'm not sure what the strategy was there. Um, their player, their, A lot of their players look a lot better in the back five, in my opinion. I'm not sure if that had to do with a Masuaku injury or, or what, but they went the back four and it didn't really look like it paid off. And yeah, just Chelsea, you'd ex I think if it wasn't 
like the form of both clubs over the last several weeks, you would really expect this type of result, maybe a two nil for Chelsea. So they did the job and it's a bit of a recovery mission after the last few games. So we'll see how they press on. And I don't have too much to say about the individual performances, just kind of, you touched on it, Werner and Havertz and Tammy Abraham, Abraham doing well. And yeah, not too much, just, Hopefully, from Chelsea's point of view, they continue it and they can mount some sort of challenge. But I, I can see them slipping up kind of like Spurs have done because it's the same with United. When the performances are inconsistent, the form is inconsistent. I I can't see it lasting over a long period. So we'll see. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I agree with most of what you guys are have said. And it's it's just it's a good win for Chelsea at, at this uh, this stage of the season, just to stay in and around the Champions League spots, and overall, as we conclude the Premier League games, just super happy going into Christmas. You know, you guys are probably happy. United in third place with the game in hand, with the chance to go second. Everton will be in fourth place at Christmas, which is not what I expected. I did not think they were going to be doing this well, but that's just. That's just the effect of having Carlo Ancelotti as the manager. So that's really good. And obviously we can just quickly touch on the Carabao Cup quarterfinal game. Everton take on Man United at Goodison Park. You've kind of touched on it, Aiden. And I think Manchester United, they're kind of looking at the Carabao Cup as a competition. It's probably not their it's not their main priority. It's getting into the Champions League for next season. I can definitely see that. I know from from what Everton and what Ancelotti has said in his press conferences that although they do have some injuries, Everton are going to be fielding their strongest lineup. Hamas Rodriguez is still injured for now, so I would probably expect the exact same team that's been playing a lot recently. And think I think even if United rotate their team, I think United in in attacking mid i think they might be a little bit too creative especially with everton even if they do sit back and look to counter in that defensive midfield position i think man united might be able to pick a hole or get a shot from distance because jordan pickford even though even though he's been uh, people are saying he's been a little bit better recently even against arsenal i didn't think he was good because the one chance that arsenal had to really get back into the game was came from a cross where Pickford just flapped at it instead of catching it. And then I think it was David Luiz ended up hitting the post or something. But I think that shots from range or in, in and around the penalty or the top of the 18, I think United might be able to sneak a victory even with a rotated team. But what are your thoughts going into this one, Jake? Yeah, just uh, just for a change, I'm just going to disagree with the little thing that you said there. I don't um... – I think for United, like the Carabao Cup, I think it's going to be like one of the top priorities just to make sure like United win a trophy this season. Cause I think this is United's like longest trophyless run for, I don't know, since before Sir Alex Ferguson came to the club. Um, so I think that they'll really want a trophy, even if it's the Carabao Cup. Everyone says it's only the Carabao Cup. Even I say it's only the Carabao Cup. But at the end of the day, it's a trophy that you want to have. You want to be the team to win it. And, um, if you know win it, it'll be kind of like a validation of hiring Solskjaer permanently, I think, and just a clear sense of progression that this team's evolving and getting better and can mix in with the with the rest of the teams in the league again. So I think that they'll place a, a big importance on this. But in terms of the game tomorrow, 
<laughs> to be honest, I'm always nervous when United plays because you never know which United's going to be. Um, they're, they've been kind of like a consistent team, like results wise, but during like the performances during each, each, sorry, during each individual, even half, not even entire games have been very inconsistent. So you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it would not surprise me again if Everton get off to a, to a fast start and they'd have to come back again or something like that because that just kind of seems to be what you need to do. Uh, especially away from home, which is funny because that's where United win every single game. Um, but yeah, honestly, I was I was thinking about it. United kind of have Everton's number. Um, for I think I've been watching like every single game for like almost ten years now, and I think I can remember like two Everton wins against United. And that's it. I think uh, the four nil a couple of seasons ago, which is honestly the first time I've ever shot off a game before the it was over because I was so upset. Um, and the other one was, I think, when Fellaini scored a header when he was going up against Carrick when Carrick was playing center back, like in 2013. And that's honestly the 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 only times I can remember Everton winning against United. So I could be wrong. And obviously, all that history doesn't really like come into it. It's not. It's not. It doesn't make sense to say Everton's not going to win because they don't really beat United too often. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling kind of good about it. Just because, like like I mentioned, I, I really want to win a trophy this season, or I really want United to win a trophy this season. Um, it's been a it's been a long time, even though it's only been three years. Like under Mourinho, it just feels like uh, forever, especially considering the three semifinal losses last season, which was really really heartbreaking. Just coming so close on three different occasions and not getting there. So it'll be an important step. Hopefully, United can um, can win this one. And honestly, Brentford have beat Newcastle today to advance to the semifinals. So if United can get, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but if United can get a draw against maybe Brentford in the semifinals, it's a, it's a great chance to win a trophy. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens, I guess. But hopefully, um, hopefully with Alan missing, United can kind of take advantage of of Everton's like relative lack of strength in the midfield. I know Ducouré can still kind of cover for Allen, but it's just a uh, another piece missing there for Everton. So hopefully United can can take it. But I've rambled long enough. Aiden, what do you think about this game? Yeah, for me, it's just all about the lineups and who actually plays. If uh, United do fully rotate the midfield area, you'd look at like Matic, Pogba, and Van de Beek coming in. I mean, not not too bad for the secondary midfield there after a league game against Leeds, but. It's hard to say because Ole usually does ride the team like we saw last season until the wheels fall off. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Fernandez and Rashford both play. They seem to play every single game. Rashford has been injured for two seasons and he plays every single game. Uh, but this could be an opportunity. I think, of course, he wants to win a trophy because they were in, what, three finals last season or two finals, whatever it was, and they didn't win any trophies. Um, so I think it is a good opportunity to win a trophy, but I could see the league taking priority with a bunch of key fixtures coming up. I mean, you play Leicester, then you play Wolves and then Villa and all those teams can get at you and cause you problems. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bruno and Rashford are arrested and that would really give, I think the impetus to uh, Everton to go on and win the match. If they see there's, United still will have good players if they bring out Greenwood, Cavani, and Martial in the forward three. But for me, I think Rashford and Bruno are the ones that really make the difference for United in terms of running in behind, 
and finding the gaps in midfield and, and kind of carrying the team forward. So if those two aren't playing, I, I think Everton have good chance to win. And I'm just interested to see what happens at right back for United. If Wan-Bissaka is injured, Delo, we know he's out on loan. So do they go with someone like Fosu Mansa or maybe even Ethan Laird, someone that I've been wanting to see for quite a while. And he's been producing in the youth team, very high ceiling from all reports but it's just a matter of if he gets his chance in the first team. Hopefully that comes this weekend. I could see it being a tight game, maybe a 2-1 or something. It's all depend- dependent on the lineups and what the managers prioritize because we can speculate, but ultimately we don't really know. That's all I can really say. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I, I, I'm hoping that United prioritized the, the Premier League game against Leicester because I just think um, – even if they do rotate the lineup, Everton, they do have a pretty thin squad. And like you mentioned, Jake DeCourie could fill in in that defensive midfield role. But if he does that, there's not really anybody to carry the ball. And, you know, if DeCourie got injured, he's played a lot of games recently. If he got injured, the wheels completely fall off for Everton because they've got nobody in center mid. We can't put Tom Davies and, and Andre Gomez in there. That would be an absolute nightmare. That would be a 5 nil loss. But, um, uh, I'm hoping that there's some heavy, heavy, yeah, free Gilfy. Geez, 45 million. I would hope that he could score a free kick or something, but um, I, I would love it. It's just a scrappy win, but either way for Everton, they're really going to have to stay organized. And it would be very impressive if they won, considering they're just, they, the squad's so thin. But if if I see some like heavy rotation from Everton's perspective, they then I'd probably not be too confident, but you never know in a, in a one-off cup game, you know, even if they parked the bus and played just really solid defensively all game and took it to like penalties or something, you can always nick it there. But it, I, I agree with you, Aiden. I, I think it mostly depends on who plays for United because I think the amount of energy that the players are going to have will probably take over because Everton, they've stayed with the exact same lineup for the last three games, but. We will have to see, like we always say on this podcast. Uh, I think that's all for this week. Um, to everybody listening, you will you'll know the result. Uh, well, we're recording this on on Tuesday, and this podcast will come out on Wednesday. So the United Everton result, the game will already be done. Um, and I just want to say uh, happy holidays. Hope you have a happy New Year, and thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Thanks. Happy, happy holidays. Bye.